Hi, so welcome to this new series, which is called On the Other Side. And this time the focus is on plant medicines. And this really just came about because I was having a conversation with a friend and we were just speaking about how we used to explore with the plants and then we realised that actually that journey and that chapter came to an end for us and there are many different reasons as to why but opening this conversation as well we noticed how this is quite an uncommon view basically so we just wanted to speak about it and share our perspective and not to cancel or denounce anyone's experience because you know I know for me that I learned so much from it and I'm I'm sure she did as well and I'm going to speak to her on this series but first of all today I'm speaking to a friend of mine called Jason who has had a similar experience as well so I'm excited to hear his perspective and what he has to share about it as well so hope you enjoy this series but yeah also just to emphasize this really isn't a space where I'm trying to denounce the benefits of plant medicines because I know there are many but I guess it just comes to a point where we can realize that there's there's more and there's something on the other side as well hello how are you doing long time no speak I know it's been a while here eh? long time no see yeah how are you what are you up to where are you yeah, well, I'm in Chester, out in uh, out near Sheffield. Well, yeah. the coast, Liverpool. Nice. Um, working on my work. How does it? All oh, right, yeah. How does it work? Do we just we just have a have a natter. Yeah, yeah. Is this for like the new monks one or? No, I think this one's. I'm going to do the. So it's, I'm going to call it the other side. Okay. So actually, yeah. Let me just go. So I'm go- I think I might do a series. So this one is going to be the other side of plant medicines, basically. But yeah. I would love to speak you to you as well on the new monks, maybe at a later date. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I guess um, I was just having a conversation with a friend about, specifically about ayahuasca, and um, but plant medicines in general. And both of us have basically come to the stage where we used to, um explore there and you know vision questing and healing through plants but then we both I, th- I think uh, similar times anyway and i have another friend as well who i hope i can speak to on here same thing where we realize actually it's time to pull the plug you know mm. <laughs> but it's really interesting because i feel like a lot of people who explore with the plants and go down that avenue it's like that becomes the world and then that's it and it's actually very rare for people to step away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, they uh, they put it in as part of a kind of uh, a culture within their life. And yeah. some people may go once a year, you know, I go once a year to drink ayahuasca, and, you know, and or some people do it when something builds up in their life and then mm. they need to kind of go and freshen up. Yes. Uh, like some people are like monthly adventurers, do you know what I mean? And it becomes the whole part of their life. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that and well they all seem to be positive in the wrong way don't they they all seem to have their pros and cons to it and then you've got those people that 
like perhaps what you're talking about, go out there with great enthusiasm. And then after some time, I can't really articulate maybe why, but I guess we're going to try. You kind of feel a bit like, oh, well, that's that then. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I don't. I don't feel the need to go back there for some reason. Um, I feel like it's that. That's where. I, I, that's where I am. It's definitely crossed my mind here and there to mm. go. Well, would I drink it again? But then the answer has always been a bit like, mm, probably not. I've already been down the road. And mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I like what you said. there. well, that's that then. <laughs> I love it. But do you want to give like a little introduction and um Yeah. Yeah. Introduction to drinking ayahuasca. And yeah, and also just a bit about you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um so yeah, my name's uh, Jason. Oops, can't <laughs> So my name is uh Jason Briggs and um I've um I drank ayahuasca, I think I've drank it three times, three separate occasions. Uh one was in uh one was in Milan with a group and one was in Austria with a proper shaving that had flown over from the Amazon. Um, and then another time I think was more kind of a underground, which was like in the Peak District. Um, but yeah, my my background before that has, has been in um, for a long time studying Tibetan Buddhism from probably around the age of 16. I'd been um, interested in it after being interested in philosophy in general, uh, reading all these books, not really finding what I was looking for. And then one day I stumbled across Tibetan Buddhism and I felt like this was it. This is exactly everything I've been looking for. You know, all the answers have been found and they have, uh, you know, they have a good way of uh, of articulating everything. Um, so I got I got heavily into that in a way continuously. Um, and um, I went to university and did philosophy because it seemed like the only degree that I could do that was within that uh, realm of philosophical thinking. Um, and I really enjoyed it. But I think it reinforced my view that the Tibetans know how to take philosophy from the head into the heart, if you know what I mean. So I so I kept all that up. But my also my background has been in working in not-for-profits, not-for-profit development. So particularly around fundraising, how do you raise money for big causes? Um, so particularly in the area of prospect development for major gifts. Um, and these are things, big donations, transformative donations of two million above, five million, you know, sometimes even bigger. Um, so that's the area I've been working in for years um, and uh, including consultancy work. Uh, but I now also run my own online education platform for specialist knowledge. And that's again for not for profits. And um, I teamed up with a university lecturer to deliver this knowledge. Um, and the idea there is to open up analysis of the business and financial world for not for profits so they can better prioritize their relationships. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my broad background sounds very i love the the work that you do it's so interesting but, uh, <laughs> so yeah we met at the buddha center in yeah. london and uh, yeah so what do you think at the beginning the first time that you were drawn to ayahuasca what it was that was what you were drinking right yeah yeah the, the first time i was drawn to ayahuasca yeah what was i thinking you know what was the pull what um drew you in <laughs> yeah um i think at the time i was taking other stuff um and i felt like it was i could get quite deep on it and um it felt like um it was helping me you know all these kind of other substances if you like were helping me explore my inner mind and it felt like there was a lot of stuff there that was kind of 
bungled up in a way that needed kind of to be forcefully dealt with. Um, and so, yeah, at the time, I just... And I read a lot about plants and stuff and about a lot about of all different kinds of drugs and how they can be used in therapy and so forth, you know, including things like magic mushrooms or ketamine and all that kind of style. So I always knew that in my head they were actually they all had medicinal qualities where you looked at it one way or another. But for some reason, I never ever uh, heard of ayahuasca, and I, and I still to this day don't quite know why. But then when I came across the word, maybe properly for the first time, um. I think that was it. It was almost like it resonated and um, I wanted to learn a lot more about it. And then I just consumed as many books as I could, videos, documentaries, conversations with people that had done it. Um, I'd built it, I built it up into this kind of dead big thing really in my mind. Um, wow. And then I was getting ready to do it. Um, and that's what I did. That's so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of information at the moment. Coming. Yeah. Especially with mushrooms as well. Like how the healing properties, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, just it feels like there's just more and more and more, <laughs> yeah, more than ever. And a lot of good research as well, you know, with stuff like Imperial College London doing with Dr. David Nutt, you know, it's brilliant stuff, absolutely got to happen, yeah, 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 yeah so true. So, um, yeah, so what was your experience? So, you, you had the first, yeah, how many. Yeah, so I went. I went to uh, Milan, and uh, I don't. I won't name any particular groups, uh, but I went with this group um, who had rented some kind of um, nature reserve out in Milan. Um, and in my mind, you know, I, I don't know how to put this, but um, I wanted to avoid a situation where I felt like there were a people that weren't particularly qualified in delivering ayahuasca. Never mind taking it, you know, and. Um, and I always wanted to go for some what I thought in my head was more authentic. So going out to these shamans that had properly mastered the plant uh, in some other country. But I crossed paths with this group. They did some kind of public talk in Manchester. Um, and I got chatting with them kind of through an email exchange as well as as well as in person. And I said to them, they were like, oh, come along, come along, you know, come along to the lab. And, uh, and I was a bit like, mm, no, I feel like I want my first time to be like, you know, proper yeah. flying to Equitos, drinking in Peru. Yes, and then their response was, uh, you know, if you feel if you feel like that, they, they basically said it will blow your head off and you better off doing it in your own familiar environment first. Uh, and I think it was sincere advice. And they were like, uh, you know, um, so consider coming with us. You're, you're still in the Western kind of culture and so forth. Um, and I think at the time it was actually the right advice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I went I went over, flew over. There was a group of us. Um, and then um, in in a way, it kind of was everything I didn't want it to be. Um, wow. So we, we arrived in this big nature, kind of it wasn't big nature, but a big building in the middle of it. And we were all in this one hall. It was literally one hall. And there was about 50 people. And that, for one, I was like, what on earth? There's 50 people. You know, I'd read really 12, 24, absolute max. Uh, but there was 50, possibly even more. And we're all going to be sleeping in this one room, just this one big hall. And we all had these makeshift beds that were put out. It was very unusual and uh strange even and then there was all these different people from all across europe really i'd kind of gathered to drink in this one room uh, and sleep in this one room you know and it was going to be for about two days um yeah and i was surprised and it was kind of everything i didn't want it to be um really and but when i drank it it turned out to be a really good experience 
and uh yeah there's a lot to it actually there's a lot of other connected parts to it but i drank it i had a huge amount of like purging and stuff like that um and i remember almost like fighting the experience and looking around the room and i remember thinking you know there were some people dancing as if they were like you know uh, away with the fairies let's call it and some people had a bit of like side trance on and some people like rolling around and i remember it feeling a bit like a madhouse and my critical mind was going oh you know this is terrible kind of thing you know how have you ended up here you know and uh yeah and then and then it was like this kind of other voice kicked in and it and it was kind of like suggesting and who who, who wants to call it whatever you could call it ayahuasca but it was kind of suggesting it was like oh well you talk about them well look at you then you know you're the one sat here judging you're the one that's not able to have a good time because you sat judging you know and it was actually really subtle but really really took me by surprise and um it was like it was like being gently shown a bit of an ugly truth about myself and then this memory came up of a friend who would come to visit me and she would come for advice and things quite often and often i try to avoid and get out of it um and then they would come and visit and then I'd be a bit like a bit of an agony ant. Um, and I was also shown at how ugly that was. You know, this person is sincerely wanted to come and see you. And then you, um, you know, present yourself in one way, but actually your thoughts are like this and another. And it was saying things like concentrate on people when you're with them. And um, in particular, in this case, just let go. And then once I let go, I had such a good time. And suddenly all these people I felt strange to suddenly felt dead connected to, you know, and... And I ended up making really good friends that I've stayed friends with, regularly touching base with um, ever since. So it was actually, and that was my first experience of ayahuasca being quite therapeutic, was that insight it gave. Yeah. And then weird stuff happened with my brother on that, because we're twin brothers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can talk about that in a moment. But yeah, so that was my first time. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I still remember it very clearly to this day. Um, wow. And I, I, it was almost like the biggest thing that I did learn through drinking it as well. So, yeah. I like how you described that. It was quite subtle. It's just like ting, 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 this little voice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it sounds like it was quite clear as well. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite moving actually. Even thinking about it now, it was quite moving. Yeah. So, did that um, moment help you in after after that moment as well? You know, did you, were you able to implement that? I guess connection with other people as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, obviously you try and sometimes you fail, but yeah, I've, I I remember it frequently. Whenever I feel like I'm being distracted, if someone wants support or whatever, or just wants to talk about something, or or whether I feel like I'm being judgmental, you know, normally things like in my head like the word hippie and stuff like this and you know and that there's a kind of yeah the, you know there's a culture out there right now of people that you know, like kind of drop out of society in a way and you know and mm -hmm. they may may criticize society but then don't do anything to help it you know and and there's that kind of critique in my mind at the time um but actually people dropping out of society is also a good thing you know and it's and it has its own positives and its own qualities and its own purpose and so forth so yeah no i feel like i've definitely put that kind of prejudice to bed amazing that's so yeah good. yeah yeah because I feel like sometimes it can that's a really important part is to take it with you into life yeah, yeah. it's sometimes missed you know good yeah you definitely and it was uh it was quite um just to finish that story off 
it was quite mystical in some ways to our, to my surprise because the whole thing felt not particularly you know it wasn't like deep psych- psychedelic experience or memories you know of a very clear kind it was actually all quite I was quite conscious of the whole thing but apart from this one time where I was purging and I really was purging quite strongly and I thought my rib cage was going to come out of my mouth I didn't know how on earth it was going to fit but that was what was about to happen you know it was that intense and um, anyway my brother you you might have met but an identical twin I have an identical twin brother mm. and um, as I was getting on the plane back from Milan I got a text from him and he said look I didn't want to tell you whilst you were away um, because I didn't want to influence whatever experience you was having because he knew I was away um, and he said um, and he said but on on the Saturday night and I don't know if you drank this night but I woke up in the middle of the night panicking feeling like I needed to throw up ran to the toilet and was throwing up and was purging and his girlfriend was with him she grabbed him and she said he's, he was like he was gone and his pupils were all black and he said he was purging and throwing up and throwing up into this toilet and he said he was like getting a, a beating like a kind of um as he called it like an ethical uh appraisal of it of himself um and my brother's had this with me before as a twin we've had this kind of stuff happen before and he texts me that because he he didn't want he he texted me afterwards because he didn't want to influence you know anything that I was going through. And then he asked, "Did you drink on that Saturday night?" And I was like, "Yeah, it so happens that that was the night where I drank the most and where um, I had this biggest experience, you know, in terms of purging and stuff like that." And uh, so I do think he picked up on it. How that works is a totally different question because he didn't know I was going to drink. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like he actually knew what day I was going to drink and 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 when even. Um, so it was quite that was quite fascinating and just to connect that up when I went to Nepal when I was 19 um, I had quite a tough time there and there was this one day and I was young and I was I was in the jungle and I was basically sobbing on my own in Nepal and, um, so in Nepal in Nepal yeah yeah and I was totally on my own and then I and then I thought you know I've been here like for a number of weeks now it's really hard I was on a retreat at this like Buddhist uh, monastery and I was like, I'm going to email my brother. So I had to walk down to the valley because the internet was in internet cafes back then. Uh, and then I opened my emails. like, right, I'm going to email my brother. And then in my inbox was an email from him. And it said, uh, yo, Jay, you all right? I had a dream that he was crying in a jungle uh, the other day. <laughs> so I could just want to check if you're all right. And I was like, yeah, no way. That's literally what happened. And uh, so anyway, I'm only, I'm only saying that because for some people that might sound a bit bizarre, but. I think that's the, one of those twin things that happens. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about those twin things that happen. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was really interesting to me, that part of it. That was really interesting. And then we actually went to drink together in the end, which is wow. my second experience, yeah. So wait, what did you say he, he said he felt? A beating? What does that yeah, mean? like an ethical, uh, like a, he, he called it like a stern kind of woman. Um, giving him an appraisal of his life, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm sure he got the brunt. I'm sure he kind of experienced all the proper experience because for me, it was the whole thing was quite mellow. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like my brother was getting the rough end of the deal, you know, and yeah. it was and strange. He was like sober as well. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 And she, ver- she verified it. She was like, it was, she didn't know what was going on. She just didn't know what was going on. 
And she, this was in the middle of the night, you know, she was up with him, helping him into the bathroom and stuff like this. And, and he yeah. didn't know what was going on. Yeah. yeah. He thought he'd taken something and he was worried and there was oh. something in his food or That's that so kind funny. of thing. Yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, as twins, you are so connected. So, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. And I showed everyone in the trip and they were like, no way. <laughs> yeah, it was quite good. I mean, there are so totally some magical things that happen. And it's just like, this is so inexplainable. <laughs> Yeah, people use the words, don't they, a lot, synchronicity, don't they, around ayahuasca. Um, yeah. Things suddenly aligning perfectly in a way that feels almost planned. Yeah. Yes. yes. So that was the first experience, and then you, yeah. so you went back with your brother this time. Yeah, I think this was, I had one more experience drinking the peaks, but there's not really much to say there. Oh, even yeah, I didn't really, there wasn't too much going on. The only thing to say there is really that, I had um, someone to make an extremely strong brew, extremely strong. Um, and um, and those people in the room, that one I think had been on heroin for a number of years, trying to get off it, opiates and stuff. And then another one who um, smoked a lot of cannabis and wasn't really into the idea of spirituality all that much, let's call it. And um, But they drank some extremely, two extremely strong cups and didn't feel a single thing. You know, and whereas someone else drank a cup and their mind was unbelievably blown away, you know. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting, I think. I just wanted to know that because I think sometimes ayahuasca will only work when it wants work. And I don't know how that even works. Or maybe there's some chemical stuff going on, but they do say that. They do say that um, unless unless you're ready, it, it can't show you what it wants to show you yeah um, so i just thought it was interesting because there were there were two quite different people coming from quite different backgrounds that both drank it and it didn't seem to do anything whereas the other people that drank it totally blown away mm. like one of the strongest cups and they drank two of the things so don't know what was going on there but that was just a, a side note yeah then the last time yeah the kind of main final time was definitely the most uh, ex- uh i don't know what the word is epic if you want to use that word experience and we flew out. So my brother was like, you know, I wanted to try and some, heal some stuff in a way, stuff that had haunted us in our childhood. And we wanted to kind of put stuff to bed. And and um, and so, yeah, we were like, my brother, just like, all right, well, I'll come with you. And he's not even read much about this kind of stuff at the time, especially my twin again. And he was like, no, I'll come with you. And I was like, nice one. So we got a <laughs> he's like, you're quite brave. You don't even know, you haven't even read much about it. And uh, so we got a flight to, um, where was it? It was somewhere, it's in Austria, basically. And we went to this centre and they had a proper maloca and everything. And these guys, I felt much more like, I think their efforts towards it was very sincere, you know, and they were good, learned people about it. Mm. And uh, we went to this maloca and they organised a shaman to come over from the Amazon. And um, he was an older, older man and he definitely had a weighty energy about him of experience. And... Um, He'd been drinking it from the age of six. You know, he was totally, like, you know, he just got that feeling that he was very experienced with it. And that was a whole other ball game. I mean, a whole other ball game. And and the ayahuasca Icaros that he was doing were unbelievably beautiful, you know. It was like he was controlling everyone like him. The Icaro. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like turning people up and down like it was, um, you know, like a, a radio wave. He was just turning it up and down with his singing. Um, it was 
really amazing experience, like really, really beautiful at the same time as to being terrifying. Um, but yeah, all kinds of interesting things happened on that one. Um, but one of the most noticeable things was um, my experience didn't really start till a bit later on because I felt a lot of, me and my brother were laying next to each other, you know, um, and Dom, my brother, was having the kind of, he was getting on with experience and I felt con constantly blocked, you know, and um, nothing was moving or nothing was really happening despite, you know, drinking, I guess, strong cups. And and the shaman opted to split us apart. You know, he said, I think there's some twin energy going on here again. So it's that kind of theme. And then he split us on the opposite ends of the Maloka. And then it was like a switch then. It was totally, yeah. I was totally gone then. Um, and it was like all the stuff that didn't work hit me at once. Um, so it was, it was, uh, that was powerful time that was. Four days in a row, yeah. I mean, that's it's very rare to to work with a shaman who's been doing it since such a young age. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. But I know I had a very different experience with the other... I worked with this shaman who'd been doing it for a long time. He, he was from Mexico. Right. And it was a whole different, yeah. It and is. It was mm. just like, oh. <laughs> it was just yeah. like very powerful. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's... And that's his... But this is where things started to change a bit for me. I mean, I could go into the whole, all the, this happened and that happened and this vision and yeah, all yeah. this. But ultimately, it is it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? And, I love that. Yeah. And, yeah. But but what it what it showed me, actually, in quite a terrifying way, because at one point, I felt totally in the grip of this being, which so happened to be the shaman. And he had 100% control of me as a, if you like, just a sentient being in the middle of this, wherever I was, right then and there, in the palm of his hand, he had every one of us. And and I felt a kind of a sudden sense of distrust. And it wasn't that I was distrusted in per se, more that I suddenly become aware of how foolish and overconfident I've become, you know. And uh, and I was like, I've just put my hands, my whole, if not soul, if you want to call it so, I call it more consciousness, whatever. Yeah. And maybe possibly its entire future in the hands of someone for what? You know, because I think this is really just a bit of a drug. Do you know what I mean? Deep down, and and that was it. And and I I had a real kind of strong battle, and um, wow. to, to what I thought was for my sanity, if not the say the safety of my mind and future lives. And and that was the kind of battle that I seemed to have. And this represented itself in serpents, and they came and filled the room one after another after another to the point where I was blinded and it was suffocating around my neck, in my eyes, in every everywhere. Big oh. ones, small ones, worm-sized ones. What did you, you say, know. self and serpent? Serpents, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were in, inside. Oh, it, rep yeah. it represented itself as serpent, sorry, yeah. I think so, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. what I, I gather. Because I remember asking him the next day, I said, you know, why did you fill the room with serpents? And he was like, I didn't fill the room with serpents. And he was like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I'm just doing my job. And But Ayahuasca was giving you a fear situation to deal with, you wow. know, and to learn from. That was his statement. Um, yeah, it's really beautiful. <laughs> and then on the, on the last day, uh, you know, it was, I think it was almost like he did this as a bit of a celebration. And mm. he's, 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 I've got some recordings of them. His Carlos was so stunning. And he was able to paint like around the room this, uh, like, you know, these cathedral ceilings. Um, yes. Just loads of them. And I think the cathedrals have come from visions. You know, I don't think cathedral architecture is developed natural. I think people have had visions. I mean, of it, realms. Yes. It also, and then they build them. 
I love that. I feel yeah. like they are like sacred geometry. Yeah, that's right. And the, it, was, it was the whole room covered, just this spire after spire, and in like neon psychedelic colours of your rich purples, pinks, uh, greens, and vivid like electric blues, and and it was just created, um, and everyone could see it. Everyone who drank that day could see it, and then he. he it was like his arc, his hours were like painting it. Um, and right at the end, he laughed um, and he said something like, can everyone see that? And and they all went, yeah. And he was like, good, because I painted you like a canvas. That's what he said. And then everyone burst into laughter at the end. And it was it was crazy. And then he said, he said quite a few things, but I can't remember at that time whether he, he just said it in Spanish because I don't think he knew English and whether I understood him or not. Like, I don't know whether, I think he only spoke um Spanish and I didn't understand Spanish, but I understood what he said. And I don't know whether that was because of ayahuasca too, which is more about understanding what people, you know, you don't necessarily need to translate or something. Yes, you know, there's that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that um, just wasn't very clear in, in my memory, but that was a really remarkable experience. But that feeling of I'd put my hands into someone that I had not vetted properly was what followed me after that. That's what stayed wow. with me. And wow. Yeah, and as you know, like before that, I'd been studying Tibetan debate for years and years and years with uh, with this uh, monk, you know, and he was he's one of five Western men ever to complete the full Tibetan monastic training uh, and stay a monk, you know, and and we connected on, if you like, a love of logic and reason, and and I learned that from him every week for years, and I still do to this day, and um, and then I had another teacher, Geshitashi, who you all know, yeah, and. Um, you know, I had good connections with them in terms of spiritual development and asking questions about how, you know, sticking points in my life and confidences, fears, you know, whatever, uh, help or study, basically. And, you know, they would give excellent advice and throughout my life, whenever I've asked for proper advice and I've followed what they've said, my life has always got better and better. And, but the trust with them is built up over a long period of time. And suddenly here I was, you know, with someone that I don't know, drinking this substance which actually I think what happened was I realized how powerful it truly was and that I had been very naive in thinking in a way this is just a plant deep down because in our culture deep down we may all fight this belief that we're just chemical boxes bouncing around you know or something like that and the plants are just so yeah I don't know it just really opened my mind up um, that this was actually quite a serious situation and that I shouldn't just put myself over to anyone again in the future without proper mm. if not protection but reflection on who the person was what they were doing why they were doing it do you know what I mean yeah man I mean yeah, I just love what you said it's so I mean I feel like this is one of the things that is so important and a lot of people do say it's really important who you work with yeah but again like you say I mean yeah you might have known someone for a specific amount of time but even still like how do you know and I also love how you just said that it made you realize how powerful it was yeah because it's, that's another part of it it's like but then again it's like we're putting out you have to in the way because the way that it works is like the the shaman is holding the space yeah you in a way you have to like surrender I guess that and you have to just allow yourself to trust that person you know otherwise you're yeah. gonna have not a good experience yeah well exactly yeah yeah, yeah but it's so interesting and then um yeah the power of the just recognizing and acknowledging how powerful it is and then also even 
with that just realizing well does the shaman even know like obviously they know but like yeah there's just so much unknown in it i find yeah that's <laughs> it. now i like the way you put it and that's what it was i felt like i was just breaching a wall of another world and mm. i mean another world uh that's that's somehow interwoven with this one and yeah. and, I, and in, in the typical sense i felt like he was summoning things into the room to do his bidding and I was like, you know, you read and hear about these things. And it's like, oh, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Or how exotic or even romantic, you know. But actually, when it starts to happen in front of you, it can be bloody terrifying. And you're like, you know, suddenly you feel like someone's entered the room that he's called on and and needs to do what? You know, they call them like allies, don't they? And, and they're there to help them heal. But I was like, where are they coming from? Why is this really? That was my biggest thing. I felt like what I felt in the end was if I let this thing heal me, and the spirit, let's say, behind Ayahuasca in the end, if you want to think of it like that, yeah. will I be indebted to it? What mm -hmm. kind of crazy karma am I creating into the future, which I'm out to repay? That's such that's very Buddhist thinking, you know, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, but it's it was and I don't I don't really think of karma like that anyway. I think it's more like a natural cause and effect. Yes, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean more like would my relationship with the world become entangled with it and the world? I, I mean, yeah. Just, I feel like these questions are so interesting and also, yeah, ask the questions. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like m many people aren't asking these questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, you know, is this truly a benevolent thing that wants to help us? That's the thing to, the thing to try and establish. Yeah. Or is there something else going on? Or is it not as powerful as it thinks it is? And it's and it's meddling in a way that might ultimately be a, of disadvantage in the future i don't know all these thoughts suddenly started to come in because i realized this was real and what i was dealing with here was not just yes. eating a bit of whatever kind of substance and feeling something in your room do you know what i mean and, yeah man <sighs> but i i did ask um, for guidance and uh i won't mention which particular monk i asked but they're well known and i asked you know i i read about this plan ayahuasca and, and i want to go and drink it and uh, these are the reasons why. And I was like, "What do you What do you think about it?" And he said, "He said basically, are you Are you doing it to try and make yourself a better person?" I was like, "Yep." And he said, "And something like I think, and you're and you're not going to hurt any others." And it was like, "No." Um, and then he said, "And he said, well, then how can I say it's a bad thing?" Um, and then he said, "All All he would basically keep in mind is that." Um, what is it that as he said don't take refuge in it or be careful that you don't see it as a kind of a final source of refuge like mm -hmm. in other words that it can ultimately remove suffering because their view the tibetan buddhist view is that the only real thing that ends suffering is realizing emptiness selflessness if you like of the world you know and yourself and that frees suffering um and so to, to give yourself over to something else in the hope that it remove your suffering in the end that they would say is a pointless task you know what i mean it's not ever going to work out like that so that was his main point was yeah if you're bettering yourself with it and it's going to help you do that and heal grow and become an ethical person and how can you say it's a bad thing but just be careful not to take it as the refuge mm. you know and i thought that was a really good distinction and the other monk that i asked said um almost tersely in a kind of a joke jokeful way uh, he said something like um yeah emptiness is the only true healer you know, in, in this world or something like that, you know. Um, and that's, you know, however you want to digest that, is kind of like, what, what knowledge paradigm do you exist in? Yeah. And, uh, for them, it's, 
that is. But that's what I've, from my experience of studying all that, that I, I, I really see that as a valid point, you know, and um, yeah. So that, I just thought that was an interesting distinction. And I think that's that's kind of partly what came through as well in that experience was, you know, yeah, am I accidentally taking refuge or something in in this situation? And this person in this being plant, whatever, you know, mm. and I don't really know what's going on. I totally don't really know what's going on at all. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I feel like, yeah, when I stepped away, I feel like I gained so much clarity. It was yeah. like, it was like this, it was, everything was just a bit confusing. And I feel like nobody really knew. But right. I mean, that's just where we are right now. And yeah. like you said, with these beings and these things that the energies that they are calling into the space yeah you know there's this huge thing happening at the moment with the you know the fourth dimension astral realm and i feel like when i was younger i used to thought oh everything's good you know but it just isn't like that and 100 yeah. not every being you contact outside of this reality is benevolent like yeah that's yeah. not how it works yeah so, but i love what you said about what um the uh, teacher yeah. to you that um, it's it's almost like as long as you have the right intention yeah then it, you know it's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it but don't don't see it as an ultimate solution yeah as with anything yeah and then I was like yeah that's yeah. that's a really good distinction and and that, and that, I think that's also what's kind of grown out of it is there's part of me in, in a way during my final moment with ayahuasca that I was kind of given the option which is carry on drinking and you'll be able to heal this kind of thing or you can do it through meditation it just might take or something you know it was mm. it was like that and and i think that could be my own reflection on my own experience as i was coming out of it you know and but i think what i felt like after that is because in a way there ain't much much higher than ayahuasca i can't think of anything else because when you do psychedelics you're like oh wow that's a whole other realm of stuff do you know what i mean and then when you take ayahuasca, like you realize that's even above that place. You know what I mean? And and I just think that you can't really, I don't, you, you can't really get much further than ayahuasca in a way. So it was, I almost felt like I'd done my journey, if you get what I mean, with them. And I'd done, I'd looked through every door because um, I felt like I had to. And uh, and I and I came back to the same solution, which is the only real change, the only real change that works, that sticks, is inner development direct in the development and you might do all these things which eventually get you to a different place and maybe you get there quicker thanks to these things totally the right thing to do but ultimately the realization is it's again that whole kind of cheesy idea it's in your hands and that's Ooh, yeah yes. and, that, and that's what i came to in the end and and so i took in a way my study a bit more seriously and i was like you know these people that have been these yogis or whatever they don't need to drink these stuff and why is that? Why is could it just be cultural or are they onto a different thread here? You know, and um yeah. being able to summon it in your own mind through meditation, whatever stuff is, feels far more reliable in some ways as well. Um and at the end of the day, if I'm passing away, am I, you know, do I drink a cup of ayahuasca or something? Probably not. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, I've got my own mind to rely on. So why am I looking mm. external again? Um mm. But I still do use stuff, you know, like here and there for help and so forth. But yeah, they've just totally changed, more like changed my gears towards it. Mm. 
Yeah, you you mean you still use stuff as in it's it's not black and white of oh you only need yourself. You know what I mean? Is that what you mean? Kind of, yeah. But also, I feel like um, I don't know. In our culture, almost having a, a change of mind is is quite good. Do you know what I mean? And I think sometimes having a bit of a breather on yeah. stuff is is useful, like a refresh or whatever. I mean, I say that more in a way like, um, yeah, just not that high. I mean, for example, I don't drink alcohol anymore and stuff like that. But yeah. and that what, what I don't want to get across is that I feel like suddenly I look down on all those things. Yes. That's not what it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the same. I don't want to, the, with this whole series, like that's not the point at all. Yeah. Rather just to highlight that there is another route. You yeah. Know what I mean? Because, like you say, alcohol, all this is conditioned into us so deeply, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, actually, you can live without it, you know? Yeah. And I think in the end, to be honest, I feel like it is the only route in the end. I mean, I think these substances only show you, you know, what, yeah, they show you what eventually you have to do. And, um, but you still got to do it. And we I mean, say that all the time, don't we? Even the shamans will say, oh, ayahuasca can show you. Yes. You have to do it. And well, it's like... This is what I found so interesting, what you said in your in that third experience, because you said that, ah, yeah, all of a sudden, while you were there, in the ceremony, in the moment, it showed you, like, how much you were, like, I guess, outsourcing, you know? Yeah. And that, I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you know, that it, like you said, it actually showed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that term, outsourcing. That's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. Suddenly I paid for a service. I didn't <laughs> quite know what the hell was going on. Do you know what I mean? And, and I just felt totally vulnerable. And I remember looking over at my brother, he was kind of like rolling around in his ayahuasca dream. And I'm thinking, what have I done? That's <laughs> like wow. my brother's here and everything. And uh, it was a proper wow. sobering experience oh. and and i don't know also you know whether it comes from a place of distrust as well that i have in a way mm. do you know what i mean like someone might listen to this and be like oh well he's just got to learn to open his heart and love and this kind of thing and it's mm. like yeah well maybe do you know what i mean but mm-hmm. at, the other, at the other hand unless i have got some kind of extra sensory perception or abilities i still can't vouch um for what's going on in a way but you yes. can't with anyone. But you, yes. well, in, Buddh- in, in Tibetan Buddhism, they have like a, a kind of a, a, if you like, a chapter of its knowledge, which is all about how to trust a teacher. You know, oh, wow. uh, they will call it do guru devotion or whatever. Yes. But it actually comes up with a list of criteria of the kind of things a teacher should have, um, and at least, and then how um, how long you should study and observe a teacher, and what you're looking for, and what what you know, and that way over time you can feel. Um, confident um that you can take this teacher as you to use that word again a refuge or sort of refuge um but ultimately it says the final refuge is yourself it's your own mind it's your own cessation of suffering that you have to work towards and that's the bottom line even the buddha said that um yeah. but you should study a, a teacher at least i think it's just something like for at least 10 years you know so that's a long time in our in our books you know what i mean in this western world of instant long time. reaction yeah, yeah. So yeah. they say that that long even. So that's how serious they take making sure you've chosen the right teacher. And they say, go to other teachers, see what resonates, even go to different traditions. Yeah. And I've always been told that by um, the teachers that I've had, you know, as they as they put it, do shop around, go to different, even religions, and make sure you you find what's the best fit for you. Yeah. 
That's very interesting. I feel like it's always, it's it's good to look around because otherwise you're just stuck in one box and you have no idea what else is there. But just to reflect on what you were saying about some people might say that you know about um, your heart needs to open more or something. You know, maybe. Yeah. I was just thinking, I just feel like right now, this transformation that we're going through is it's all about taking back responsibility. Wow. So I feel like, yeah, what you said it makes so much sense, you know, that that's the whole point. So what you experienced makes so much sense as well within that framework, you know, hang on a minute, yeah. what's going, like, why am I, um, yeah, putting myself here when exactly, like you said, all I need is me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that term. I've not thought of it quite like that. Responsibility, like, yeah, in a way, I was putting my own healing in a way to be someone else's responsibility. And do you know what I mean? And then, but then it made me question of, on who that someone else is at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, someone could argue as well, well, it was ayahuasca that showed you that. And you, and you should be grateful um, that it suddenly showed you this. It's you to rely on, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what I find so interesting because I feel like, yeah, it's still, I mean, obviously, again, that's another thing. It's like, it's not black and white. It's not yes and no, do it, don't, you know. Obviously, I learned so much from my ceremonies as well. Like, I gained right. so much. Yeah. Yeah. But then I just feel like it gets to that point where it's yeah. like, okay, that's enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I felt like that was, there was a few moments in there where it was almost like something I was communicating with or things multiple was a bit like, oh, we could we could now show you this next bit if you want to, or would you prefer to wait? You know, it was like this kind of back and forth in my head as well. And it was like, yeah, no, I prefer to wait. And and it was like stuff like that. It was it's very hard to explain. But um there was definitely a feeling that I, if I went back and drank, then I would it would get deeper and deeper and there would be almost like some kind of final showdown in my head somehow somewhere um but yeah and that was it but then my fear was then I, would i be indebted you know would would i have handed over that development which i should do myself or something i mean the other thing i was thinking about as well is um because the, i mean the question anyway still remains is like are you you know outsourcing in a way because ultimately yeah. it's such an internal experience anyway <laughs> yeah this with the ceremony with the plant even with the mushrooms you know it feels like actually it's it's you anyway you know what i mean yeah yeah that's it and that but these are the kind of things that i didn't really know either or all i knew really from that experience was this was extremely powerful the shaman was extremely powerful there were suddenly things that i felt suddenly an awareness that i didn't have before that was opened by oscar where there was things in the room even that i didn't know what they were you know, and it was suddenly, it just felt also very real. And um, and I wasn't really, yeah, that, it was like that, yeah. It's like, how far is that me? There's another question. You know, are these all just kind of externalizations of your own thoughts? Well, to me, it felt, no, it felt real, very real. And the shaman, uh, I know that's not quite what you mean, but and the shaman felt very powerful as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I guess it is. But I mean, it's basically, I feel like there's such a difference. And I feel like this conversation isn't really had much either. The fact that, you know, you can get to that point where it's like, right. this is enough. And then also, I feel like, you know, 
you can reach these states naturally without anything. Yeah. This is a whole other conversation. And yeah. then it's like, but that's where you're outsourcing because now you're quite, you're relying on this external thing to get you to, you know, when actually I've heard so many stories of people just through meditation, you mm. know, so it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you are. I think in terms of this, the kind of things you're investigating, I think you're through this kind of series, whatever, I think you're onto something because, um, yeah, no, because there is a time in there when it's actually should be quite a positive thing as well. If you feel like you don't need ayahuasca anymore, it should be quite celebratory. You yes. Know? Oh my um, God. That's so true. Yeah, and I think that's what you should be picked up on. Like, and but the other thing is, people like the circles. They like the people that are involved, and they don't necessarily want to leave that kind of. And you, you don't have to. It just changes. The relationship just changes. That's so true. And I love that. I just love what you said there. It's such a good. It's like it should be like that with everything. With stopping smoking, stopping even yeah. drinking alcohol. It's a celebration. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I know what you mean, because it is such an amazing experience. Yeah. There's so much love just yeah. in that room that's just like, wow. Yeah, it is. It's like um, it is like a Disney movie. If no, if, if someone's not drank it before, then it is as close to being in a Disney movie as you're ever going to get, you know. And uh, so so it is, it is like, you know, some part of me misses that kind of uh, the trepidation and the adventure of it, you know. But definitely there's a part of me that's more settled now because I, I felt like I looked in every door that I had to check yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel way more settled. Good word. I love that as well, that you had to look in all the doors. Yeah, I know. The explorer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can, yeah, I, yeah, I just love what you're saying. It's totally resonating. Yeah. But the, the final thing I think to add just to it all is through studying debate, what I've what I felt I've feel like I realized and, and uh, even the monk articulated once which was um you know you could do these meditations where it's like calming the mind on the breath and so forth and that can produce actually quite a lot of bliss um you know and uh but ultimately in the end it's no not much different than taking a valium you're just kind of calming the mind uh, for a moment but if you change your view of things if you change the views that are operating in your mind it's a lot more enduring so if you change I don't know the way you relate to others, and so you manage to build a new way of thinking that's more uh, compassionate on a daily basis. You're, in other words, you're changing your views, how your concepts operate in the mind. Then that's far more long-lasting than doing a kind of temporary meditation, and thus, in my mind, a temporary drink of a plant. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what I realised. And debate is often overlooked as a spiritual practice. It's seen more as a, a complementary practice, but it's not. It is like literally um, you're going into the engine room, you know, and you're restructuring the engine. And uh, and then that is like producing a change at the, at the surface level. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what you're describing is like basically the work. And you, again, yeah. it's just this thing that keeps coming back. You cannot avoid it. Yeah. You can do all these different things, but ultimately it's it's like such a, but it's a practical thing that you just have to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I actually like putting it like I didn't quite articulate it in my own head, but yeah, it is. It's the work, if you want to put it in that in that header. Definitely, yeah. And I guess that's what I'd just say. My final thing that I came to was what was there all along, really. Um, the pure philosophy is, you know, and um, yeah, that's 
that was the way forward for me in the end just doing the practical actual work yeah love it I mean I just love that and also what you described with the snakes like suffocating you it's just like wow it just sounds so yeah. powerful as well like and yeah it was extremely loud intense. yeah yeah mm. and like it was message. sorry message <laughs> yeah no it was really good yeah I mean it was all it was a very powerful experience and there was a lot of people there that had a really powerful time and and then there's some way it didn't again back to that original point I was mentioning in some it didn't work at all you know they were there the whole four days whatever it was and they were drinking every night drinking more and nothing happened and it's just if this is all truly a chemical scenario setup as some people try to argue I don't necessarily agree then um, why does it work for some and not others in that setting you know and but yeah anyway yeah that's a very good point with that um or can you just describe because you mentioned the emptiness but i feel like the emptiness the way that it actually is the 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 meaning of it isn't doesn't really mean like emptiness do you know what I mean? yeah no i think there's a bit of a struggle of translation there yeah emptiness yeah some people translate to thusness or thatness or suchness and it's that kind of ineffable uh, experience of the truth and ultimately what the buddha is is arguing and i'm not going to be able to articulate this super well but is that the reason we suffer is at the center of it all is our sense of i me uh, and my suffering and, and subjects and objects self and other and that's doesn't exist in the way we think it does it exists but we over embellish what actually our self is and from there we suffer and his argument is to is to understand the way the self exists that things don't exist from their own side um, we construct the world around us, but we feel like the world is pre-existed and then we're born into it and we into, just interact with it and learn what it is. But we're like, in a way, the creators of the world. Um, and when you realise that, it settles everything down. It's like it's suddenly all this, the, the fodder from which the negative emotions can burn has, been, has gone. Um, and it was never there in the first place. And it's, it should be an extremely joyful extremely joyful and light-hearted uh experience to know that mm, yes yeah because sometimes it, it has this weird yeah but i think it's the interpretation that might like you said. Yeah. but so basically it's like the infinite where everything comes from it's like the blank slate <laughs> yeah you could say that yeah they say the experience of it is in the end is non-conceptual or non-dual and it feels like water mixing with water, they say. Wow. And, um, so some people might say, oh, then you feel like everything's one. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of feeling, um, I imagine. But I think people leave out sometimes how joyful the experience would be to realise that we're just merely designating the world around us. And and it's all so unnecessary. Suffering, I, I heard the monk say once, it's just so unnecessary. And that idea alone is just incredibly, uh, you know, I don't know, really uplifting because the idea that something could be unnecessary and we're just causing it upon ourselves is fascinating, isn't it, really? And yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It, yeah. Yeah, there's loads more to say there, you know, but yeah, but that's 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 what I came to. If you look at the Tibetan Buddhist wheel of life, right in the center, um, it is ignorance. And that's where they say the whole cycle comes from. And they say there's all these other beings, you know, let's go back to the whole kind of spirit realm thing and even God realm kind of stuff. 
but ultimately they're still in the cycle as well and that was the other thing that I was thinking about I was like wow yes yeah. even though they might live for a lot longer and they've got extreme powers or whatever but ultimately they're still in the cycle long term I mean yeah I feel like there's a lot of truth in this Western Buddhism definitely <laughs> yeah yeah you've got a lot of good things to say yeah so basically with regards to the plant medicine journeys earlier you said just to come back to remembering this emptiness so just Clary could you just explain a little bit more in regards to you know stepping away how that yeah yeah I like what you said about how it should be joyful as well yeah no I I know what you mean yeah um I think it was like going back to what the monk said to me at the time when I was talking about drinking it uh, and it was basically you know the only the only because he knew I was drinking it to try and reduce suffering and stuff in one's life as anyone would really okay, um, okay yeah. and he said the only true cessation is 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 emptiness he's like the only true cessation is emptiness you know and um and and it's like that so that's what it suddenly after doing ayahuasca and going through all that i saw the the importance of the study of emptiness self was such as whatever you want to call it just suddenly was very very elevated in my mind because now I tried everything in a way, even looking at other religions or philosophies, let's call it, and I'd, and the only one that seems to come up again and again as the, the the final answer, the true answer is this realizing that the self the, the, is the self I, I thought exists, i.e., Jason and so forth, you know, is not really there and it never has been, and that would be sh- surely the ultimate realization. Um, that yeah, mm-hmm. the whole world is like a construct, whatever we mean by that. so that was it so when I was kind of coming out of it all there was like this renewed excitement really that yeah this is this is the answer I must put more effort into it yeah love that that's so cool yeah I feel like I had a similar thing at the end I think I was just like you know what life is everything you need everything you need to learn it will be presented to you you know yeah life is the lesson you know yeah. yeah but that's it so going back to that point like you know it's it's this whole ending the journey and it may not even be forever you know it's just like it feels like it's done if you know what I mean to its own degree yeah uh, you know um it's not like in a walking away in some kind of oh didn't get the answers or whatever miserable it's totally not it's the other yes. way you know it's joyful and and there's more meaning and direction and clarity um and yes. some, some could easily argue, well, ayahuasca helped you after all. It's like, yeah, well, I bet it did. <laughs> no, exactly. I feel like that is an important part of it. It's like, yeah. actually, we can still be grateful. We're still grateful for that, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's like anything that happens in our life. When you have to walk away from a relationship, whatever, you can still be grateful for it, even yeah. though you know that you need to walk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And- you could be happy with what you learned and the good times and and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I look, I still look back at the experiences quite fondly. There's definitely a like kind of a, you know, there's definitely more to it. There's more that I didn't. There's more that I could have experienced with it. I think definitely, but I just yeah. felt like I just kind of knew, in a way, the trajectory of it all and and yeah and then ultimately who really has the final answer what am I really doing this for why am I really doing this what am I really looking for and ultimately it's because you want to 
become a better person and end suffering in any way we can. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's a really, really important and powerful thing to say, but it's very Buddhist. Just like, you know, I'm, I want to end suffering. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to, to own that is huge. And yeah. ultimately, that is, it is true. That's where all the problems come from. And it's, it's our, it's us. We are the ones creating it, you know? Yeah. yeah. End suffering or be happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, someone would call yeah. it end suffering and someone might say, I want to be happy. You know, that's ultimately what we're all on this journey trying to do. Yeah, totally. It's happiness. Yeah. Contentment. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I'm so happy. I feel like, yeah, this is so, so much juice here from your experience. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, there's definitely more to talk about. But yeah. yeah, I feel like this is actually a really good thread to pick up on. And it'd be great to see what other people think about this kind of concept of exiting and, and so forth. And, you know, there's parallels even in the, in the modern world. Um, Yes. Yeah, anyway, this is kind of a different different idea. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, it'd be great to get other people on there and see what they think. And even those people that are reflecting on whether it might be they've they've had their fill for now or something. And you know what I mean? I'm sure there's people at all different stages. All those people that it'd be good to contrast it with those people that have totally decided this is my life and they go drink every month for it every year and, and they're part of that continued community. It'd be great to know what they think about. Do they ever foresee themselves not drinking ayahuasca anymore? And if not, why not? And you know, yeah, man, that's so true. And also, I'm just wondering: are they? Do they ask themselves the questions that you were asking yourself as well? You know? <laughs> yeah. Or you? What is it? What did you ask yourself on myself as well? Mm. What is it that we were asking ourselves or thinking that led mm. in the end for us to go? Oh, I can't think I've done that bit now. Thanks very much. Very grateful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say as well, just as you were bringing it up, you know, some people might say, oh, but it helped you anyway. And, and maybe it's because of you not opening your heart enough or whatever. But at the end of the day, you just have to follow your intuition and yeah. your internal guidance. And I feel like that, again, is going within, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. With, with all of it, if that's what you feel like you need to do, then, you know, fine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, keep us updated. It'd be really good to listen to other people's. Yeah. As we more of these up. It'd be really good to hear what other people have been through. And obviously your experience at some point. You should I know, I was thinking. Yeah, that properly, yeah. So also I just wanted to ask you, because you brought up the, the one of the teachers, I think, said about, oh, yeah, when you were talking about emptiness and, like, ultimately we are the creator. Has your experience of that deepened since walking away from the plants or what is your experience of that? Personally? I think over time, after, again, as well, going down the debate angle in a way, and just I was encouraged to spend more time studying rather than necessarily being in formal meditation. Uh, and I, I think, like, I've tried to keep that up as best I can, you know, even spending, yeah, just proper time with books, you know, proper time and going through them, you know, at a pace and reflecting and stuff. And I think... Um, yeah, has it deepened? I don't know, really. I mean, flashes, I think, of just momentary micro, milli fraction of a nanosecond or whatever, flashes of, um, yeah, in a way, like, this this would this would do it. This would end all suffering. Or like a kind of a sudden lightness or joyfulness that feels 
way far um, beyond anything that has you'd ever felt before in in a very natural way. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I think I think you get little flashes that give you confidence to carry on because I think it's quite a, a difficult thing to undo in the end. Um, yeah. I realised, but the interesting thing, and I was even with someone this morning about it, is there's another state of mind that they encourage us to develop called bodhicitta, but that's compassionate, you know, to have compassion for all beings. And they say that realising emptiness is is easier than it is to realise a truly compassionate mind. Uh, and I was like, that's really interesting. Why on earth is that? And and uh, you'd think, oh, it must be nicer. It's just kind of easier just to get on with as a concept. But um, oh, I must love others more. But it's not. It's to turn that mind around. Is actually takes a longer period of time and mm. a lot more effort in a way um, than it does to realize emptiness or selflessness. And I think my feeling of that is, in a way, if you get the right model in your mind or the right reflection, you know, it can be easier. It can be easy to prove something or disprove something, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whereas compassion is changing a like almost like a many lifetimes of habits. It's like you're mm. trying to steer this massive uh these big ships you know you're gently trying to steer it in another direction you know when it comes to compassionate yeah. mind and stuff but i just thought it was interesting so uh yeah i think if anyone continues to study and reflect and so forth they'll they always uh get something from it um and the Dalai Lama, just so you know said something like um if we if, if we're teaching tibetan buddhism to westerners in the modern world, then we should start with emptiness first as a topic. Whereas in traditional Tibet, they started with um, like suffering first and and stuff like that. And but they say to study emptiness first um, because it, yeah, I think it gives people confidence um, in what they're trying to say. Yeah. yeah, because the other side is also very, like you say, it take, it's harder. It takes a long time. Well, yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And some of it's more like religious, let's call it, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. like, oh, you know, rebirth and so forth. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's always important to um, not be attached to anything. You know, you can get what you need out of something, but like, I don't know, I feel like it's important to just have this sense of non-attachment. But I feel like Buddhism, a lot of it is just really foundational things yeah. that are so helpful for us and this thing about compassion is so big and I, I mean it's so obvious you can just see the way people speak to each other online you know yeah, yeah. it's just lacking yeah no and, and it's a you know, sorry. no just to bring it with to back to the plants as well I feel like a lot of the time it's like I feel like these things are just foundations we need the foundations otherwise we're not going anywhere like yeah. there's no evolution there's no growth like those you can't just skip the steps and yeah. sometimes I feel like even with the plants, there might be a, levels of that happening. Because although, to be honest, it depends whatever person is learning and whether they're integrating and all of that. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like the, when you can actually learn this thing about how the suffering starts and how it's actually here, it's you, how you can be compassionate to other people. Like this, this is huge. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. And I think that's that's the kind of... <laughs> So in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a whole tantric side as well, isn't there, with all the kind of powerful meditations and all the deities and visualizations and all that. And that, in my mind, is very esoteric. And you get visions like an ayahuasca and so forth. Yeah. And that's the kind of that end of the deal. But they only teach that as a fraction of the overall path, if you know what I mean. And even but 
their emphasis always is you've got to get the basics right first. You yes. can't have a house without the foundation ever. Exactly. And yes. um, and you've got to go and start and be more compassionate, understanding, you know, the nature of things through things like emptiness or whatever, or the fact that you're suffering. The you know the Buddha's first teaching was we are suffering, uh, yes. the truth of misery or the truth of sorrow, whatever you want to translate it as. And he said you've got got to kind of understand that, or we won't realize the situation we're in, or put effort into undoing it. Um, yes. But he said it's like a hair in the palm of the hand. It's very hard to notice, actually, true suffering yes. uh, on, a, on a big scale. So, but anyway, they emphasize all the foundations. But for me, like the almost like all the tantric stuff, the very esoteric stuff, people get drawn to it and yeah. they say that, then they go for it, but then they have left out the foundations. Yeah. And um, and I think sometimes that can be true with, like you say, ayahuasca. I think some people run to it because it's got all these bright lights and it is like a, an adventure and it really is. Yeah. And, um, but then I think maybe that's partly what they realise in the end is, oh, I've just got to get the basics right again. I've got to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've seen it in so many, like, communities, groups, teachings, you know. It's like, and it's fascinating. And also, like, this is the thing about Buddhism. That's what it, that's the message. Yeah. You know? That is the message. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I don't feel like I have anything else to say, you know. Yeah, well, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, maybe hour, hour, about yeah. an hour or so. But yeah. yeah, thank you well, so much. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Really interesting hearing your experience, especially with the Buddhist background. Yeah, no, yeah, and uh, yeah, I hope you get some more people talking about this kind of thing. It might be quite hard to find these people, but I bet they're there. Yes, and, uh, and it'd be good if you. If you're doing this, maybe it's like starts with your experience, um, yeah. monologue or something of, of how you came to this different space. Yeah, I might do um, that actually. Yeah, yeah. To, I think it'll go for context, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering whether to do that or just like speak about it when I'm speaking to other people, but maybe I will. Right. Yeah. Yeah, context. Yeah. Um, but actually, this thing about the snakes, I'm, when you were experiencing that, were you feeling a lot of fear or not really? Were you just, was the message loud and clear? I don't, it's a hard one, like even to this day. Um, I was I'm so fascinated. <laughs> yeah, no, I was feeling, I was feeling like I was being, um, like there was a curse being descended. And it was like, you know, it's yeah. like one minute, you know, snake comes in, second one, second one, just like, just she, she, you know, like kind of filling in until they got like it was in water and like the room was filling up with water, but it was snakes and, and it was getting so much that it blacked out my vision. And then there was like little ones in my eyes and around then going around my throat. And it was, um, and yeah, I was almost a bit like, is this, I might have been cursed really. And I, I'm, am I the only one that can see that we're being cursed here? And, you know, and, and we've let this person, and you know, we don't know who this person is. You might have a mission, you know, that Western people are destroying the Amazon jungle. So he's, he's, this is his way to hit back. You just don't know. And it was like, and, and, and I mean, and these obviously are slightly on the edge thoughts, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what I went through with it. And, uh, but it, the, the, the answer was the same, really. It was, it was true. What, what are you doing this for? Are you looking for a refuge, final solution? in which case do you really think you're going to find it here and um yeah 
Yeah. So I was a feeling fear. I don't know. I can't explain it. It was. It felt a bit beyond the fear. It was like I was watching it happening. Mm. At the same time, it was really, really spooky. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I feel like obviously the the one part is that yeah, it's really important. There is always such an emphasis on who you work with, and it's really important to know that you're in a safe environment and all that. But I just wanted to bring this up because my friend, who I've been talking about it, she actually did these videos, and it's called the ayahuasca hijack. Right. So, yeah, her. I think what she's going to speak about a lot. But listen, everything's hijacked here. Whatever. Who cares about that word? <laughs> but basically, yeah. There's. This, um, Sorry. There's this understanding at the moment now that the yeah basically this what is coming through is a bit uh, distorted in a way. What do you mean by hijack? Do you mean like um, that they yeah what what do they mean? Yeah, well, let's see what she says. But I I get I think that it's just that what used but one time it might have used to be pure now it isn't. And right. Like you were saying, I guess with these entities and these beings that are coming through. They haven't necessarily got our highest intention, at heart, which Maybe again, that, which is so important why the shaman is able to, you know, keep the space, you know, yeah. clear and clean. So, yeah. And that's it. And it sounds they, like you might have been tapping into that. Yeah, it could have been, couldn't it? And, and that's the kind of thoughts I had as well. And then ultimately it could be, well, even if they have got the best intentions, you know, um, th does it mean that they know what they're doing? You know, like that, that point of the Buddha, which was there are all these kind of, magical almost godly beings in the world but they're still in the cycle um, and some even in the buddhist pantheon in a way have a bit of a delusion and they think they created the world and that wow. you know they've even got like that and they call the long life gods and they live for eons and eons and eons and eons and they've got they've got a lot of abilities they've got things called gods enjoy, enjoying the creation of emanation and they can create worlds and so forth and blah blah all these different types and for us they would be maybe even the god of classical theism you know and, and christianity whatever but ultimately it although it's an incredibly exalted being and spirits and all these whatever whatever really believe in this stuff uh, they still his argument is they're still in a cycle of, of death and rebirth until they've removed the misconception on self and that can be very subtle um, yes deep deep in the mind yeah that makes so much sense because the thing yeah and if you haven't like removed that yet then the intention might be completely different yeah so i think they could still take you to a good place or at least the place where they are but it's like yeah what's the ultimate goal in the end um yeah, now it'd be interesting to hear that those thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you. Ju it's just we open up a whole kettle of fish right now, and like you were saying, the exalted gods, like in the Bible, and that's it's just like this whole thing, and it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What's well, the one thing I can be sure of in the end is my own, my own, my own mind, really, and uh, those people that I've spent a long time with. Do you know what I mean? After at some point, then. You do, you do have to put your chips down somewhere. Do you get what I mean? I'm not saying you shouldn't. It's just how and when and in what context. Mm. And um, mm. But ultimately, even then, you ultimately, it's going to be down to you in the end. And mm. um, and even the Buddha says that, you know, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it was yeah. it was that kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that extra bit. So <laughs> any final words that you would like to share? <laughs> um. Not, not really. I, I, I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I, I wish I could articulate it better, all of it. And um, 
yeah, I just don't feel like I can, it's all very hard to put into words, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for some people, they can go into quite a positive space for quite a long, long period of time. And I'd just be, yeah, it'd be just be interested to hear about some of these people through your experiences that might have been doing this for longer as well. And uh, in the ayahuasca circles, it'd be interesting to see where they've got to in the end on, on it all. And um, yeah, I'd just be really curious to hear what others, what other people's experiences are. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this is what's happening now. And this is why I wanted to do podcasts and stuff, because I just feel like we can learn so much from each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for doing it. I think you're onto a good thought here and actually think it's going to be really helpful. And there is those people out there that may have drank it for a while and gone, well, I still feel I struggle with this, all that and this. And, um, or, yeah, and I want to try something different out. And what is that? And, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like we're all we're all on this journey you know (laughs) figuring it out (laughs) yeah totally it's just like a pinball machine really (laughs) (laughs) there's no real order to anything we just we've got a brief moment and we've got to do our best you know to get (laughs) totally that's so good Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um connect soon. Yeah, keep us updated. Yeah, definitely will do. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and to this podcast. We hope that you can gain many insights through the art of listening. If you haven't already, we would love it if you can follow us on YouTube, on Instagram. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that feels right for you. We've also just launched our first online course, Awakening 101, A Ninja's Guide to Navigating Your Spiritual Awakening, which is led by me and is offered via donation. So if you feel called to that, then please dive in. It's available via our website. Thank you.